put that grapefruit and cottage cheese down and clap your hands for Joan Delafleur. Hello, darlings. Hello. Jingle bells and joy to the world to you. It's the holiday special. Yes, you're listening or watching Joan Delafleur's Winter Wonderland holiday special on Joan Delafleur, the podcast experience. Yes, Christmas time, Hanukkah, Yuletide. Perhaps it's time to break up with that boyfriend or agent who gave you a cheap gift time. You do you, darlings. That's my favorite phrase of the last three years that I'm sure is out of style but flim flam floy sauce and that's what I have to say to phrases that are out of style I get to use them all after all I'm a phantasma and it's the holidays so have a little have a little holiday spirit in you darlings now do you know in my day we had many wacky wonderful drunken parties full of booze and champagne and whiskey and perhaps some other substances as well darlings yes some of that green fairy juice do you know what I'm talking about a little absinthe or some people engaged with a little powder, and I don't mean snow, darlings. I don't mean they were skiing. Now, when it comes to the last two substances, I never engage, darlings. Well, certainly not on purpose. You know, I don't like to lose control. Certainly, I can drink like a fish. I can drink most producers under the table, but I certainly don't like to lose control on anything a little too wacky, if you know what I'm saying, darlings. I'm sure you do. Yes, we did all sorts of wonderful publicity stunts like going to church services or having snowball fights on the back lot of the studio. Of course, the snow was powdered from props, and this time I do mean snow powder. Of course, there wasn't real snow, darlings. This is Los Angeles at 73 degrees during the day. Of course not. Everything was wonderful in my day, darlings. No, of course, of course not. I can't tell you how many terrible parties I attended as well. Do you know one of the worst holiday parties I ever attended was Charlie's Mime Christmas. Yes, Charlie Chaplin would have a mime Christmas party where he would mime giving you the gifts. Oh, well, yes, he was very good at miming. Oh, wonderful, opening the gifts, opening the gifts. Well, imagine my surprise when I mimed opening my gift and it was a mimed flamingo. Darlings, it was the strangest gift I'd ever received. First of all, flamingos need wetlands, swamps and estuaries. Whereas Los Angeles, I don't believe there's a single swamp or wetland to be found, darlings. No, not at all. Very strange indeed. Then there were Bella Lugosi's infamous Christmas seances. Oh, well. Now, during the time, I didn't know how much fun a seance really could be, darlings. I mean, of course, I attended them, but mainly just for the booze and the networking. But now, do you know, here in the afterlife. Oh, darlings, by the way, you, you may hear some of, the, some of the mice lurking. I know it says, the, the poem says, in the house, nothing was stirring, not even a mouse. Well, let me tell you, as a creature of the night, which is as, as a phantasma and a movie star, <laughs> what I am. Uh, darlings, there's a lot of mice stirring in this house. They're having parties, what can I do? I can simply go forth and deliver this podcast to you with my own moxie and force of will, which is how I got everything done in my life. Anyhow, back to seances. Do you know that in the afterlife, I have heard the call of many a seance? Sometimes they can be fun to to crash, I suppose, but do you know most of you are ever so dull and we want to have visit you at your seance. Usually somebody's asking for their poor grandmama or grandpapa. Darlings, have you 
no thought for what your ancestors might be going through on the other side? Do you really think they want to stop their, their wonderful parties or probably having sex in the bodies that they can conjure up through their, through their ectoplasm and the, at the sort of peak of their lives, having sex with one another? Do you, do you really think they want to stop their fun to come bake cookies for you? Didn't they do enough for you when they were alive? Didn't they comfort you and read you stories at night and tuck you in enough to give you any sense of security that you can take on into your adult life? And now you want to know that Grandmama is here watching over you? No, darling, she's having a great time. Let her be. Let her be, darlings. Now, if you do call for grandmother, you never know when Joan de la Fleur may appear. And Joan de la Fleur, of course, is the greatest actress of a generation. And so she might very well fool you at the beginning. And then she'll give you all sorts of advice. You know, I'm actually very good at that, darlings, because I know a thing or two about life. For example, no, that colour doesn't suit you. If you had to ask, then I think you know the answer. No. No, darling, your married boyfriend is never going to leave his wife, and isn't that wonderful? You get all of the fun and none of the laundering of the socks and the skin marks on the pants. Leave it be and enjoy your life, darling. But, darling, do you know my very favourite holiday experience of all? Can you guess, darlings? Darlings, you know me by now. Can you guess? Well, I'm waiting, but I haven't heard the correct answer yet, darlings. No, it's the red carpet for a holiday-themed film, of course. Especially if that film stars one Joan de la Fleur. More, darlings, more, of course. Act Two. Although I starred in many a holiday smash hit in my day, you know, everything from Citizen Candy Kane to That Hanukkah Feeling to Casablanca, the sequel of the musical, which is debatably holiday-themed, very curious film indeed. No, I feel my greatest holiday film is one that was lost to history, apparently, and I'm hoping someone can bring it back. It was Miracle on 44th Street. Not to be confused with another film of a very similar title that was released at the very same time, the very same year, 1947. Yes, darlings, you may think I'm discussing a film starring, uh, what was his name? Oh, Edmund Gwen and Maureen O'Hara and a young Natalie Wood, but in fact I'm not. No, I'm talking about, well, really, the much better film, if you ask me, Miracle on 44th Street, darlings, yes. Now, darlings, Miracle on 44th Street is a story of a young boxer who lives on 44th Street. Now, boxer was poor because, let me tell you, the 1940s in New York City, 44th Street was really rather questionable neighborhood. Of course, I, I hear from the people who, who are living in this house by day. I can't believe they're still here. I try to haunt them. I drag the chains across the floor. Nothing, darlings. Nothing so far. I don't think they're really paying attention, stuck to their phones like they are. Perhaps they'll discover my podcast and realize, oh, well, goodness gracious, our house is being haunted by Joan de la Fleur. We should just leave and leave her be. Let her have a house in peace. But no, darlings, that's not happened yet, so... One can wish. One can ask Santa for a Christmas class, can't one? Anyhow, back to Miracle on 44th Street. Yes, Alex. It's the story of this poor boxer who lived in 44th Street, and at the same time, the story of a beautiful young socialite. Moi. Yes, and the two fall in love. But of course, they're kept apart by societal norms and, and money and the mafia, which at that time didn't exist, but did exist in the form of gangsters, you know, <laughs> gangster movies. So now, uh, you know, 
It started as a boxing film noir with a social message and then jarringly changed tone to become a sort of screwball rom-com. That was the point at which my character, Flopsy Duvernay, shows up at the boxing gym where where my boyfriend, Johnny Hardfist, has to fight the mob's sort of number one fighter. But Johnny Hardfist hasn't showed up, and so in order to save Johnny Hardfist's trainer, Buddy, from being killed by La Familia, and I, I mean the Mafia, not my society familia in that case, no, of course not, uh, what I had to do, my character Flopsy, had to put on a man's boxing suit and a man's wig and man's boxing gloves and she had to fight this heavyweight champion Furio di Furio but meanwhile the reason that Johnny Hardfists never showed up to his fight was because he decided to run away with Flopsy Duvernay with me and so he has shown up to my penthouse in the very fancy part of New York and he's been trying to sneak through the window and the maid overhears him and so of course Johnny worries that the maid is going to think that he's breaking and entering so instead he starts to speak with a sort of, you know, little high-pitched voice, as if I sound like that, but it worked. It was the 40s. It was a convention. The films, what are you going to do, darlings? It was really, really entertaining. And so he puts on my tea dress and he, he hosts the high society tea. Yes, well, anyway, the whole film is saved by a dance number at the very end when we turn it into a musical and down by the docks we have a dance number where the mafia are dancing with dead bodies that they are throwing into the Hudson and meanwhile the fishmongers are throwing the fish in the air and juggling and there's high society people are dancing in their top hats and their canes and Santa and some reindeer fly by overhead and Mary, Johnny Hartfist and I and we all live happily ever after. Well except for the dead bodies that the mafia threw in the water. Of course they were just dead. And I do recall that since the Mafia did fund a certain part of the movie, they don't exist, or they didn't back then. Anyhow, since they were funding part of the movie, I, I do sort of recall that some of the props may have been more real than production had originally realized. <laughs> Quite an experience, darling, I'll tell you that much. Now, darlings, doesn't that sound just wonderful? Just wonderful, simply marvelous, darlings. It really does, I know. I know because I was there and I was in it and I saw the dailies and I saw the finished project. It was brilliant, but really rather misunderstood in its time. Just like It's a Wonderful Life. Now, you may not know this, darlings, but during its time, It's a Wonderful Life was a box office flop, I tell you. It lost a lot of money. Look it up on your internet. It's true, it lost $500,000. Mm -hmm. So let me ask you this. If It's a Wonderful Life can have a, a revival and become to be known as one of the most wonderful holiday films of its time, well, then why not Miracle on 44th Street, darlings? Yes, it's time to raise Miracle on 44th Street. Let me try that again. It's time to raise... Yes, darlings, it's time to raise Miracle on 44th Street from the dead and give it the afterlife it deserves. And so does Joan de la Fleur. It's true. Welcome to Act 3, darlings, in which you receive the gift of acting by Joan. That's me, darlings. Oh, I wish I were you. You're about to have a wonderful gift. Yes, darlings. Now, do you know, I thought it would be ever so fun to recite a monologue from one of your classic modern holiday films. So I shan't tell you which one. No, I'm going to let you guess to begin. All right, are we ready? Then let's begin, darlings. Begin. 
Getting into character. Character, darlings. Character's everything. Let's get into character, character, character. Sit down. <laughs> Mr. Tagagi, I'm really not interested in your computer. But I need the code because I am interested in the $640 million in negotiable bearer bonds that you have locked inside your vault. And your computer controls your vault. <laughs> so, who said we were terrorists? <laughs> you see, there's really no reason not to give us the code. After all, Mr. Tagagi, that's a, that's a fine suit. It would really be a pity to ruin it. So give us the code key, please. Now I'm going to count to three, and there won't be a four, so you'd better give us the code. One, two, three. All right, we'll do it the hard way. Tony, see if you can dispose of that. Hans, you'd better go check up on Carl up in the machine room. Except it's Carl checking up on Hans in the machine room, but you don't really care, do you? The acting was brilliant, darlings. Yes, that was, of course, if I had been cast as the antagonist Hans Gruber, which we would have renamed to Hansina Gruber, in Die Hard. Now, of course, usually I was cast as the ingenue, darlings, but do you know what? A little secret for you here. I've always wanted to play a cowboy. Yes, darlings, I've always thought it would be ever so much fun right off into the sunset. So darlings, on this episode of Joan's Winter Wonderland podcast episode, I'm going to give you a holiday miracle, a second monologue from Die Hard. This time it's John McLean, or in my case, Joan McLean. Are you ready for a little more acting? Look, I'm getting a bad feeling up here. So I want you to do something for me. I want you to look up my wife. Don't ask how. You'll know when you get there. And I want you to tell her I... Well, tell her I... I've been a jerk. When things panned out for her, I should have been behind her all the way. We had a great thing going until I... I screwed it up, darling. Yes, I screwed it up. Now, she's heard me say I love you a thousand times, but she's never heard me say this. Honey, I... Honey, I'm sorry. Did you get all that? Acting. Yes, darlings. I don't know if my sound is rolling, darlings. Honey, I'm sorry. Oh, good it was. Did you get all that? I did. I did get all that. Welcome to Act 4, darlings, of Joan's Winter Wonderland. Yes, you're getting an extra act because we're having so much fun at Joan's wonderful Christmas party, aren't we, darlings? Yes. And I thought that one thing we could do to close out the show was to talk about holiday romance. 
course, I've had a number of estimable, estimable holiday romances in my life, but I thought rather than regale you with more tales of my love, I would share with you my top 10 tips on how to get your own holiday romance. And in fact, I've got ghostly paper here to assist me in the process, darling. So let's begin, of course, let's begin with my top 10 tips for fostering and enjoying a wonderful holiday romance. Now, number 10, I want you to embrace the festive atmosphere. Do you see this here? This is mistletoe, darlings, mistletoe. And doesn't it just beg for my lips to be kissed Mwah! with cherry red lipstick, darlings? Yes. So let me tell you, you just put on a little mistletoe and it, it surely will invite a kiss for you. And if things go really well, well, then you can strategically place some mistletoe in other places for later on in the evening because your lips aren't the only places that want to be kissed. Not very suitable for work, darlings. Wasn't that a little cheeky? It surely was. Number nine, darlings, number nine. Be clear about your intentions. Now, if you're just looking for a fling, I want you to shout it from the rooftops. Tell everyone you know, loudly, clearly, and often. Somebody's sure to take you up on it. But if you're looking for a long-term relationship, well, then you had better play pretty hard to get. Take off that mistletoe, darling. You'll give the wrong signal. Number eight, get out from behind your phone. I know the apps seem like the way to meet people in today's day and age, but darlings, in the good old fashioned days of dance hall and church socials, do you think that if your face was buried in a phone, you would catch the eye of that handsome gent across the way and you would wink and then look away and then look again and smile and nod at the shed out back and go get to know him biblically? No, of course not, darlings. No, because you'd be too busy engaging with a cold, hard screen rather than a nice, warm body. Warm indeed and muscular he was. Oh, yes. Oh, where were we going? Oh, number seven. Number seven. Look for carpools from the city where you're living to the city where you're from and only accept carpools from eligible bachelors that you find attractive. Especially it would help if you really sort of don't like each other in the very beginning, but then by the end you meet up again at a New Year's party and decide to spend the rest of your lives together. Number six, attend a ball and refuse to dance with the most handsome and yet toxic person in the ballroom and then spend the rest of the novel, I mean, rest of the holidays, uh, you know, igniting your passions. Of course, it really helps if that really toxic, handsome man happens to look just like Colin Firth, 1996. Speaking of warm, muscular bodies. <clears throat> now... Number five, have a fake engagement for preposterous reasons involving your publishing company and then fall in love organically. Are these starting to sound strangely familiar, darlings? Are they to you too? Hmm. Number four, write an article about how to drive a man away and then when he finds out, realize that you're actually in love with him. <laughs> these are starting to sound extremely familiar. Although I can tell you, acting disinterested is a really spectacular way to attract a man. All right, number three, listen to a Lonely Hearts show and then start writing letters to the children of Lonely Carlos because that's not creepy at all. <laughs> not at all, no. And then meet at the top of the Empire State Building in New York City. Well, no, you know, these are starting to sound a lot like a bunch of concepts for a bunch of romantic comedy films. Well, I... <laughs> number two, 
Notice an heiress hiding out or incognito on a bus and then follow her across the country. Helps if you look like Clark Gable, or let's face it, me, or Claudette, whatever her toes. But no, darling, look, absolutely number one, when it comes to fostering a wonderful holiday romance, you know, there's absolutely no problem asking Santa Claus, or if you're Jewish, asking Hanukkah Claus, Hanukkah, Hanukkah Haishim, Hanukkah Shlomo, whatever his name is. Look, if it's Hanukkah and you want to do it that way, well, ask for romance for Hanukkah, and then you'll get eight romances out of the deal. That sounds pretty good to me. Listen. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There is just one thing I need. Well, just one. I don't care about the presents. Oh, yes, I do, darlings. I really care a lot. Underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own. More than you can ever know. Make my dreams come true. All I want for Christmas is a return to glory. He's the greatest movie star that ever lived, darlings. Really, is that too much to ask? It's a perfect stocking stuffer. Give it to me, darlings, please. No, darlings, I'm joking. I'm not joking at all, darlings. I was joking about singing that song. Of course, that's not a song from my generation, darlings, no. Darlings, you've come to the end of another episode of Joan Delafleur, the podcast experience. And I must sign off now. I really do want you to have a holly jolly season. And perhaps if we're all lucky and we're all still here in the new year, why we shall see each other in 2024. But until then, let me just end by saying Merry Christmas, darling. Merry Christmas. This is Gabriel Manro, and you've been listening to Joan de la Fleur, the podcast experience.